We're going to be in the book of Proverbs today, so I can't give you a specific chapter and verse. We're going to hit a bunch, so if you don't know Proverbs well, we're going to cover several different passages there today. Um, titled the message, It All Makes Sense, so you notice that it's kind of a play on words there. So the last month or since the beginning of the year, we've done messages on prayer. Uh, we did talk about passing our faith on to the next generation. If you missed that one, I would encourage you to do that one. Go back and listen to it on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you subscribe to that, yeah, I mentioned that, then it'll, it'll give you updates and notifications on that. All right. Uh, last week was our annual vision meeting. We talked about five essential ingredients for church health and growth, taken from the book of Acts, discipleship, fellowship, prayer, generosity, and evangelism. So we're going to touch on one of those a little bit more today. All right, today we're going to talk about finances and generosity. And since COVID, we as a nation have experienced what? High inflation, haven't we? All right. I was just thinking back about this when I was going over the message and just kind of like, man, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were really trying hard to find toilet paper in the stores. Remember that? I mean, th that's stuff you need to keep track of because when your kids get older, you know, if you have young kids or, you know, just uh, to tell the next generation, yeah, there's a time where we <laughs> couldn't buy toilet paper, right, because of COVID. Um, but even in the last year, just food, gas, utilities, insurance, that's one thing as a church, you looked at our four-year report and like utilities have almost nearly doubled, you know, from like, uh, yeah, almost nearly doubled uh, a month for the year of what we used to pay. So those we're feeling that in our homes as well. Food, right? Amy and I, it's just the two of us now, and it's kind of like we used to have three boys, right? And it's kind of like you couldn't keep the refrigerator stocked, right? And, um, you know, and, and, and so I, I just empathize with if you have kids at home, and especially boys, um, you know, they can go through food, right? And it's kind of like, and, and they look great. I mean, they can eat all they want. <laughs> they still look good. That's what frustrates me, but yeah. Um, anyway, as I watch, I watch a lot of economic data, and it's, what is interesting is that uh, even though we, we've had this significant inflation, and it's coming down, it's still not back to where it was. I don't know if it ever will be. But people have kept spending at record levels. Okay, that's what the data is saying right? And so how's that po possible? Well, people have burned through their savings. So actually during COVID, people actually saved. We got some of those checks in the mail, right? And so people actually saved those. Um, but now what has happened is we've burned through that is what they're saying. And now we're living on credit and we're going deeper into, um, um, yeah, we're borrowing money to live. And that, that is concerning. As, as a pastor, that probably, anything in this message, that's one of the concerning things, is that I just see how debt can really strap us and strangle just how we live, right? Especially to be generous or just peace of mind. When we have that debt, it's an obligation. It's one thing if I can say, hey, I don't want to go out and get something at Dairy Queen one day, okay, right? You know, because the finances are a little bit behind. That's one thing. But when you have an obligation to pay debt, I mean, you have to pay it off, right? So we're going to talk about money and finances. We're going to look at just Proverbs. There's four principles we're going to look at this morning. And from 
the book of Proverbs. Amen. Just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that is able to guide and direct our lives. And so, Lord God, in these moments we have, um, speak to us today, Lord God, uh, as um, married couples, as families, as homes, and single individuals, Lord God, uh, young people, Lord, that are just starting off and managing our own finances. I just pray that you give us some words of wisdom here. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. The first principle I'd like us to look at coming from the book of Proverbs, and so I'm going to give you the points right up front here, is one is debt puts you in a place of weakness. All right, say that all together. Debt puts you in a place of weakness. What do I mean by that? Well, Proverbs 22.7 says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now that's just kind of, um, that's strong language in my opinion. But it's the truth, is it not? Is it not? When you are in debt to a loan, um, you know, a bank usually is what we're um, in debt to. Hopefully you're not going out there and getting a loan from somebody on the street that's going to bring a baseball bat if you don't pay, you know. Um, <laughs> there is those kind of loans too, right? higher interest. But you are a servant, you're a slave to that debt until it is paid off, all right? That is just the honest truth of that. If you take out a loan, you're obligated to pay it back and pay it back in full, plus interest, right? Plus interest. Um, back in the 80s, correct me if I'm wrong, I was young then, but 18% interest you know, and we, uh, right now that you're paying for home, you could be at 6 or 7% is where they're at. Maybe they're down to 5 now. Um, that's cheap to what it was in the 80s, right? Um, and if you have credit card debt, goodness sakes, right? That, that, that'll, that'll really harm you. Dave Ramsey is just very, uh, very intentional about getting out of debt because of his own experience, right? Um, mismanagement of funds. I think there was a bankruptcy, some things there where they couldn't pay off. And so um, he won't even, he says in his plan, he doesn't even want you to have credit cards. It's all debit cards. Um, we, Amy and I have never gone that far. We, we'll use credit cards, we'll use debit, but we've never except for maybe when I forgot to pay my credit card. <laughs> but even then, they usually give you grace because they look at your record and realize, oh, they've made a payment every month, and so then they, um, you don't have to pay that high fee that they put on there, and they give you some grace. Um, so um, we've always been able to manage it. We've never put on our credit cards more than we can pay off in a month, okay? So... Um, but if that's ever been part of your history, then probably the debit card or cash is the way to go. All right, is it sin to have debt? No. But Psalms 37, 21 says, if you don't pay off your debt, pay it back, it is sin. And Romans 13, 8 through 14 says that if the only debt that we should have is the debt to love one another. All right? That debt to love one another, we always have that. Um, so, you know, with debt, a lot of times people take out debt for college sometimes. Uh, their first car, maybe, or maybe every car, I don't know. Um, home, right? That's a big one. Home, getting your home. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we take out loans for different things. Um, on a 30-year mortgage, I've heard it said that if you go that 
full 30 years, you're probably going to pay close to your house twice because of the interest. Is that right? And um, that's a sad thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so to pay it off early, if you can do that. I know we started off with a 30 here, here when we came. This is the first house that we bought. And so we started off with 30, and then we refinanced for 15 at a lower interest rate. And we paid it off in, in November, so end of October. That's a good feeling. So uh, we're enjoying being debt-free and uh, trying to stay in that. So now it's kind of tempting. Well, you know, if you get a new car or a newer car. We've never bought a new car. We've bought one new to us. We've never bought a new car. So um, anyway, Solomon, uh, the author of Proverbs, discourages from putting even up security for someone else's debt. You ever been asked to co-sign for somebody? I've been asked. Did you know that if you co-sign for somebody and that person is late on their payments, it affects your credit score? Yeah. And if they don't pay it off or are delinquent, guess who they're going to come calling for? They're going to call for you. Proverbs 22, 26-27 says, Do not be one who shakes hands and pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched out from under you. Right? Um, Pretty vivid picture. Learn to save and be aggressive in attacking your debt. Even when we refinanced our loan most recently uh, here for the church, because they make you kind of do every five years, they renew the interest. And it's kind of the going rate. And so we tried to negotiate that because interest rates were going up last year. But when you sign the paperwork and you read through it, I mean, if you don't pay your loan at some point in time, they get the building, they get everything inside. It's pretty sobering, folks. They, they take it all as collateral, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, debt sometimes is a necessary evil. Can we say that? Um, get out of it as quick as you can because it does put you in a place of weakness, all right? It can be used, and if you can use it wisely and uh, utilize it there, it, it can serve a place and a purpose, right? Um, but you have to be smart about them, okay? Number two, I, the thing about this, I think in our culture, we look at what people have. And too often we think, man, they have this, 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 and this. But for the most part, I would say 90% of the time they don't own it. The bank owns it, right? But we look at that and we think, I need that, I need this, I need that, right? And yeah. It's not a real picture. And so we sometimes use debt to live up to a lifestyle that we desire instead of living, to with, living within our means. All right. Second financial pr principle I see in Proverbs is there's no substitute for hard work. Say that for, with me. There is no substitute for hard work. Man, you came to church just to hear that today, didn't you? These, these words <laughs> challenge me, Proverbs 6, 10 through 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like a, our man. That's the truth, isn't it? Um, Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. Lazy hands make for poverty and diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, and he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. You know, in, in the Midwest, we have a pretty good work ethic, and we learn to work hard. And I think that, for the most part, serves us well. I mean, there's times that maybe we don't know sometimes how to relax or how to, that there's that time to take a break as well. There's, there's definitely a balance there. 
But if I was to err, I would err on the side of working hard. Proverbs 12:11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, and those who chase fantasies have no sense. And that's with the S, all right, have no sense that way. You know, work plays a valuable role in our life. I don't know if we realize that. That is part of God's plan is that we would work, right? Did you know that? There are, it, provides, um, it provides for immediate needs, right? Food, clothing, all those good things. But it also gives us the opportunity to use our gifts and our talents that God has blessed us with. A hard day's work, yeah, it can be exhausting. You can feel tired, but usually you're left with a sense of meaning and purpose, right? Um, you've accomplished something in life. Now, what's really hard is when you work, 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 and you don't see any accomplishment. I'll, I'll, you know, that, that is hard, okay? I'm with you on that one. But hopefully you are pouring your time, energy, and effort into something that you can see some progress in. Um, when I entered ministry, service clubs were very popular. I think they're not as popular as they once were. Um, Kiwanis, Rotary Club. There's still a Rotary Club, I believe, that meets here in Crete. And then, uh, is it one service to man? Sertoma, service to man, right? Um, so there's those service groups, right? Um, and most of them have projects to help out in communities and in the world. They'll offer scholarships sometimes maybe for high school students going into college. With Kiwanis, I, was, I served in that. I was president, vice president, and all that back in North Dakota. But one of the things, I don't know if this is still one of their... Um, the things that they really uh, emphasized and worked towards was raising uh, money so that they could uh, help in third world countries that they could put iodine in the salt. You know, we don't even think about that in our day and age. We go buy table salt off the store shelf and it already has iodine in it, okay, unless you get kosher salt or, or something like that. But iodine, if it's in the salt, really helps prevent some pretty significant health issues. And just, it's a very inexpensive thing to do. Um, it doesn't cost a lot for it to happen in our country, but being able to do that can really help thwart or stop issues in third world countries. And, uh, and so that was one of their things. One of the Qantas guys that I remember, there's a couple of them that I really remember, Bert, Bert, yes, Bert Miller. He was, uh, he was a Democrat, pro-life de- Democrat. He was, he was a business owner. In, in Harvey, North Dakota. He was just a character, um, just a man that loved the Lord. Um, he brought to Kiwanis one day a lady that had been just divinely healed. She'd been crippled in a wheelchair, and I think some ladies prayed for her at a, maybe an aglow meeting or something like that, and God healed her over the weeks. I mean, just, and she was there. She sang a song, and I'm glad that, I'm, <laughs> I hope she didn't go into that as a profession because it wasn't very good. But her, her, her song, you know, she just talked about my Redeemer lives, and just, <laughs> there in Kiwanis means she's just given this praise to God for what he had done. Um, so Bert, yeah, he, he just really had a good heart in helping out, but then there's Od- Odell Crone. I don't know if he's still living or not. He owned a drugstore there pharmacy and uh, I have to be careful about drugstore even in our day and age right we'll say pharmacy all right um, but he always said service is our is the rent we pay for our time on earth I remember that um, that when we give of ourselves it is blessing other people you know um, when we work hard and make an honest living for ourselves we not only p- 
provide for ourselves, but also for the world around us. Maybe helping out people uh, that are near to us, family, maybe even just neighbors and friends. We're, we're giving to them. You know, and, and when sometimes money comes our way unexpectedly. You ever have that happen? Okay. Um, we've had some inheritance money come our way. Um, it was enough to help us pay off some debt. It was help, enough for us to have a down payment for our house when we came here. Um, and so hard work helps you to even appreciate when you get money that comes to you unexpectedly. Because there's people that get money, inheritance money. They get Maybe they win the lottery. And guess what? Especially lottery people, most people in two to three years, they've already spent that money that they earned. Did you know that? And it... It usually does not cause good in their life. And I know people say, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. No, read, the, read the, the data on it. I don't know if you always want to win the lottery. It, it's not always a good thing. How many of you have seen the movie, The Ultimate Gift? Anybody seen the movie? James Garner's in it. Uh, he is the deceased billionaire. So he records this video for his spoiled grandson. And he's, a, he's kind of this oil tycoon. He's a billionaire. He dies, and he's going to pass on the company and his wealth to his grandson. But his grandson doesn't know how to work. He's spoiled. He has an attitude. And so um, what ends up happening is uh, James Garner, his character, records these videos. And then he dies. He goes, if you're watching this, I've died and whatever. And so his attorney then has him meet with his grandson, and so he has to go out to the ranch. He has to learn how to put fence posts in. and it, it, Learn how to do all this work, and the grandson is just hating it, right? But in the process, he learns the value of work. And then over the process, he gets the inheritance. But by the time he gets the inheritance, he is able to manage it in a way uh, that is good. So it's a great movie. It's, it's probably... It's, you know, 10, probably 15 years old. Ultimate Gift, it's called. It's a great, it's a great movie. You know, the opposite is true if we, um, we can make money in ways that are deceptive, right? Or wrong, right? There's a lot of ways that people do that. Proverbs speaks to that. It says, 13.11, dishonest money dwindles away. Whoever gathers money, but whoever gathers money, little by little, makes it grow. Did you know most millionaires... You know, that used to be something like, who, who's a millionaire? Millionaires are more common than they ever used to be. But most millionaires get their money little by little. They invest, they save, um, they work hard, and it multiplies. Proverbs 10.2 says, Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. And so, to go about it the wrong way, it just dwindles away. But to go at it the right way, I believe, has God's blessing on it. Amen? Enjoy the value of hard work. Number three, a third financial principle, is generosity returns back to you. And so Proverbs has so many verses on generosity. I'm just going to hit a few of them, but um, 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I've seen this happen over and over in the lives of people. When you are generous, it returns back to you. It just does. Um, Proverbs 22.9, a generous person will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. And Jesus would say it is more blessed to what? Give than receive. Is that true? I think it is. I think it is. When you give 
to somebody else or to God or whatever, there is something that gives value to your life. You know, you can go out and buy the new car and it smells nice, you know, for, you know, how long? Not very long. And um, the thrill of buying goes away pretty quick. But that, that joy of giving to others, I think, lasts a lot longer. Proverbs 14, 30-31 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. And I like Proverbs because it really is that Hebrew mindset that the principles of God's Word not only impact certain parts of our life, but it impacts the whole being, our body, our soul, our mind, our physical health, all those different dimensions. But envy will rot the bones. Ooh, envy. What's envy? Man, they have a nice car next to me. They have a nice home. They have a nicer home than I do. Envy will rot the bones. Paul says contentment with godliness is great gain. And whoever oppresses the poor will show contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. I've never regretted being generous, but at times I've regretted not being generous enough. Right? It could happen with our neighbor. It can happen even when you tip. Um, Yeah, whatever. I've never regretted being too generous, but I have regretted being stingy. All right. Number four, drum roll. All right. Fourth principle, give God your best. Give God your best. This is something that comes out in Proverbs. It comes out through all of Scripture. And Gary, you, you ha- I don't know if you knew what I was talking about today or not. but um, And I'm not going to go to Malachi, but give God your best. And this kind of came even, we hit upon it on Wednesday night or Monday nights is when we're doing the leadership cadre, probably a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, giving is more than an obligation or suggestion. It is worship to a holy and a living God. And I talk about when we give, it is an act of worship, okay? Um, and we really have to get a hold of that because if you're go- doing it because Pastor Brent gets up there and says something, you're going to really miss the joy of giving, okay? I'm just going to be uh, honest with you. I learned to give at a young age when I started mowing yards for 250 a yard. Can you imagine that? My first starting wage working for my dad's construction company uh, at age 12, I was probably too young f- to work that nowadays, uh, was $2 an hour, right? Um, yeah, $2 an hour. I thought I was making big money. Probably was. But I, I had, I, my parents had me tithe off of that and, and to give. And even at, as a teenager, I went to camp and they had a pledge saying, hey, you know what, if you give 100 bucks, you get your name on the wall and you're supporting the campgrounds, right? So as a teenager, I, yeah, I made a pledge and I did $100. I remember doing that. Um, so I learned the value of giving. Uh, Abraham was the first example that we see of tithing in Scripture. So you go back to Genesis and he goes and in, in kind of sets free his brother Lot, uh, his uncle or nephew Lot. He got into himself into trouble and he goes and rescues them. They come back with all this plunder and Abraham's not going to keep any of it because he says, I don't want anybody to say that so-and-so made me rich. It's only God that's made me rich. And then he gave a tenth to Melchizedek, the priest. He tithed. And that's the first example that we see of tithing in Scripture. But it was a matter of worship for Abraham. 
I want us to look at, I kind of did this as the theme verse for our message today, Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And I will say right up front, what Gary says does not always make sense. Okay? In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. All right? There again, that idea of uh, the whole body. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We're going to talk a little more about that. Then your barns will be empty. Is that what it says? Be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Giving God your best is practiced in the Old Testament. It's reaffirmed in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, they didn't always bring money, but they brought their gifts and their sacrifices, and their tithe many times came in the form of what? Grain, livestock, and the things that they had raised, right? Um, and so as they brought their tithes and their offerings to the temple, that was used for their sacrifices, but it also was the ministry of the temple. So the priests would come and they would serve for a period of time, and then they would go back to their families. And so when they were at the temple, the, the sacrifices and the offerings provided for the people that were working there, that were living there at the temple. So when the Israelites honored God with their tithes and their offerings, the ministry of the temple did well. But when they didn't, there was times that the ministry of the temple, the temple was actually the, to close the doors, right? Because the priests went home because they didn't want to starve to death, right? And so they would go home. But when the people honored God, the ministry of the temple did well, and the people did well, and God's blessing was with them. Um, this is what Proverbs 22.4 says, and this is the English Standard Version, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. And I think next week we're going to talk about what this fear of the Lord thing is. The blessing... Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful t toil to it. Now, I don't think it's a matter of that gold coins are going to fall from heaven into your lap, okay? <laughs> Maybe, all right? I've heard, I've heard stories of God providing for orphanages and the money just showed up at the front door. Uh, when I was at Bible college, money would show up in people's mailboxes, you know, to help them pay off their their loan payment or their payment to go to college. I never had that happen. I, I prayed. <laughs> There's times I was praying pretty hard. It never happened to me. But people had it. It happened. Um, I think wealth comes in a lot of different ways. It definitely comes in the form of money, but it also comes in the form of health, being able to work. Uh, those things, just God watching the car doesn't break down, things of that. Okay? Um, Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth not without painful toil for it. Proverbs 11.4, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And there again, I think that when we fear the Lord, when we walk with the Lord, and we give God our best, you know, money is great, but you can't take it with you when you die, all right? It's going to sit here rot, and you're going to give it to your kids, and they're going to waste it, okay? All right. Um. <laughs> Um, no, they, they'll, they'll take good care of it. A lot of times they don't, though. <laughs> I was in Belize on a, on a missions trip. 
And the missionary took me to this place that he had stayed multiple times before, but had been bought by this lady. And what had happened is she'd gotten this big inheritance. She went down to Belize, American lady from New York, went down to Belize, bought this little resort on this little river, and it had these huts that were on stilts, okay, is up there, and, and she had remodeled it. So now it had no walls, okay, it had walls this high. Okay, so your bedroom and all that had walls this high. <laughs> Just think about that, okay? <laughs> you go into the shower, you're just kind of out there in nature, and there's all these huts around. He was so embarrassed. He goes, it's really changed. <laughs> I don't think he ever stayed there again. Anyway, I took a shower in my bathing suit. All right. <laughs> um, but she'd gotten this inheritance, and she came down there and bought it and didn't know what she was doing, I don't think. But um, Proverbs 11.4 says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from evil death. There again, build wealth, save up and, and plan for retirement, but still, in the day of wrath, when God comes, money is not going to get you there. What is a relationship with God, right? I don't know if God wants our money. He does want our worship. And often money can steal our heart from God. It can. And so that's why Scripture talks so much about money is because we are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. And giving and generosity is a way that we free ourselves up from the temptations of greed and hoarding and the things of this world, okay? He's worthy. The other thing is that he's just worthy of our praise and our worship. I'm going to have a closing illustration here, a couple of them, but as a pastor, uh, I don't know what the future holds, right? Right now the stock market's doing well. We'll see what happens in a day or two. You know, it can go like this, right? Um, but I would, this is my, this is my, just feel in my heart. Get your financial house in order, I, I feel strong. If you're in debt, get out of debt as soon as you can. You may not can't do it tomorrow, but the way we got out of our, our house payment is we made extra payments every month, and it, it goes down fast, right? Um, faster than you realize. Um, secondly, be generous towards God. What you give towards God and others is between you and Him. It's not between me and you. Um, you know, nobody has to report to me unless you're part of leadership, and I'll come back to that. Um, it's between you and God. You're the one, you're gonna, each of us is going to stand before God one day, right? And you're coming before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the King of all the earth. Okay, get that picture in your brain. You're coming into this palace. He's the King of kings. He's on His throne. He's holy. He's, I mean, when He looks at you, everybody falls to their knees and, in worship. You're coming before the King of all the earth. Are you going to bring your leftovers? Are you going to bring the lame calf that you weren't going to use anyway? Or are you going to bring God your best? That's the only way I can describe We have to see that our gifts are worship. And I think we sometimes lose sight of that as people. We give to God because the church needs it or to the neighbor because they need it. We lose sight of the worship aspect of it. That we're becoming before a holy God and it's worship. Why does God want us to give? I think he wants his DNA in us. Did God give? Did he tithe? I don't know. 
He definitely gave. He gave more than 10%. He gave us his, his one only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. God didn't hold back on us. He gave us his best. And I think he wants that same DNA in us to be givers, to hold things loosely, right? So here's my wallet. To hold it loosely, we, we can hold, we can white knuckle it and say, nobody's going to get that. But that's what scripture says, it goes through our hands, right? But when we hold it loosely, God says, okay, you gave it away, I guess I better put some more in there. He has a way of doing that. Um, let me have the musicians come. Um, do ministries, churches, organizations benefit when God's people are generous? Absolutely. But maybe the bigger question is, do you benefit by being generous and following biblical principles? Yes. And see, as a pastor, this is always a difficult thing for me to really talk upon because it could be seen in the wrong light, right? Um, it can be seen in the wrong light. But to not talk about it, I would be cheating you out of a blessing. It, something that we taught all our kids I don't know I know they all gave it and tithe and gave at one point I know some of them do I don't know if all of them do but it's something that they've learned um, we modeled in our own family um, two illustrations two stories at the end one is about a guy that was on staff with us in the early days and um he would get up and even help with the offering and stuff like that, but his tithing and his giving weren't consistent. So that's one of my, that's one of my standards. If you're going to get up here and talk about the offering, you better be living it, okay? And so I addressed that. It was, there was tears in that conversation. That's one of the hardest conversations I've had. One day he, it came to, he had to pay the propane bill so he could have heat for a hot shower in his home for his family or pay his tithe. Those two decisions. And uh, he made the decision. He goes, I'm going to live for God. And so he, he paid his tithe a couple, week, a couple days later. I think they went without hot water for three, four days until they got another paycheck in and they were able to get their propane tank filled and, and take care of that. But it was a very pivotal, he'll, he'll, if you ask him to this day, it's a very pivotal moment in his life that changed, uh, it changed his life. Now he's a lead pastor and doing ministry, but it was a very pivotal moment in his life where he said, God, you're in control. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to do what your word says. Another lady was on a fixed income. She's with the Lord now. And... Uh, she goes, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tithe off of my income. I'm going to give it to God. She goes, I don't. So I said, great, great. And so she, she took the challenge and she did. And a couple months into it, she goes, you know what? I never had enough money at the end of the month. She goes, I didn't know how in the world I was going to tithe. And she goes, I started tithing. She goes, I have more money left now than I did before I was tithing. She goes, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I said, cool. That is awesome. So why do we have messages like that? For that very reason, that 
You'll never understand the faithfulness and goodness of God in the area of giving unless you're generous um, and do some of those things. You know what Gary talked about? You just, you're cheating yourself out. And, you know, there again, you, you don't have to impress me. You don't have to impress me or anybody else. It's you and God. All right? We good? Musicians are here. Can I weave a salvation message into this? Absolutely. I'm going to do my best. (laughs) Would you stand with me this morning? Why does God have some of these things in his scripture? Why does he call us to get baptized in water? Why does he call us to partake in communion? There's certain things that he wants us to do that help us integrate our faith and worship of him. And I think giving is one of those things and how we handle our finances. God knows we need money to live, put clothes on us, food, shelter overhead. He knows all that. Um, but one of the things Israel had to learn is that God was their provider. In the land of Israel, they were so dependent upon the rains and the seasons. There wasn't a river running through there other than the Jordan River. They needed the rains to come at the right time and the right temp- so that they could get their crop and then things would do well. And, and that's why God says, honor me in all this and I'm going to take care of you. And he did. When they did, he provided for them. Amen. Lord God, this morning, um, we just come before you Maybe we don't know you as our Lord and our Savior, so maybe this message is really catching us. We're not into the place where you're our Lord and Savior. But you said, Lord God, you gave us your Son to die on the cross. You gave us your best, that if we put our faith in you, um, you'd forgive us of our sins, and we make you the Lord of our life. The decisions we make, that even includes our finances, Lord, that you'll go before us provide for us. And so, Lord God, we can make that step today to put our faith in you. And Lord God, I I am very aware that uh, we live in a real world and we leave this place, we probably have bills to pay and we have to live, think about our our week. um, But God, you know all those things. You called us to cast our cares upon you. And Lord God, but in all that, we have to keep you first. And that even includes our finances, Lord God. Because they can easily rule our life and steal our joy. And God, you have to be in that place where you lead and direct in our life. Lord God, speak to us by your word this morning and by your spirit. We give you the thanks and praise in your name we ask. Amen. And have Kevin and Kate, if you'd come forward. Gary, Mary, if you'd join me up here. If you have a prayer request this morning, um, pray for you. Maybe it is a financial need, okay? Maybe it's a health. Um, but they're here to pray for you. Will you worship the Lord this morning? And I'm going to be here as well. And um, when I do a message like this, there's no pressure to give. Scripture says to give what? Cheerfully. Okay, so if you're going to give grudgingly, uh, yeah, 
Get your place to that place where you can give cheerfully. Because it is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Amen. Praise God. Father, go with your people today. We thank you. We thank you for your word that is able to guide and direct our lives. Lord, go with us. Let us be salt and light in the world around us. Let us be a blessing to others, Lord God. And, um, Lord God, let us model the peace of God, the presence of God in our life, and even generosity, Lord, go to the world around us. May they just see um, that we're willing to um, meet the needs of the world around us. Lord, we give you the thanks. We ask in your precious and wonderful name. And everybody said... Hey, God bless you this morning. Greet each other in sleep.